Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of FST. Mike Blewett and Dane Martinez taking you around the league. Recapping Monday night, updating on the latest injuries and uh, news of the NFL. We'll get to the Lev Bell stuff in a minute, minute, but we start off with the guy that's taking the league by storm, the league MVP, wrestling it back away from Jared Goff, in my opinion. Getting it done last night uh, in Denver, down 10 in the fourth quarter, but he manages the game appropriately. He didn't have six touchdowns, and he didn't, uh, he didn't set the Broncos on fire, but he did come away with a huge win last night as the Chiefs moved to 4-0 and on the season, Dane. Uh, another big win for Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Listen, he's not going to be on. He's not going to throw 80 touchdown passes this year. We knew that. But on the road at Denver, you know, many people believe is like a kind of top five defense. And on the road against that team to go for 304 yards, no turnovers. You get a touchdown with your legs as well. And to be quite honest, the, the announcers were saying it. Booger McFarland, uh, you know, Witten was saying this on the telecast. They're down four in the, I mean, excuse me, down 10 in the fourth quarter. And he just made plays okay made plays outside of the pocket on second and 20 third down conversions uh you know throwing at awkward angles showcasing his arm strength putting the ball in places where defenses cannot account for it because there's no reason he should be able to get the ball into those spots i think patty mahomes proved that he's someone who can win games we talk about game managers and stuff this is a guy who can win games and he did that in the fourth quarter at Denver last night yeah so uh Mahomes 28 to 45 another 300 yard game uh with a score uh we'll stay with the Chiefs Kareem Hunt owners uh breathe a sigh of relief he gets involved in the offense in a big way last night 22 touches for 175 yards and a score uh obviously had a really big catch uh, at one point he had a 45 yard run which was an amazing physical play to stay in bounds Yes, he was he was he- hurtling towards the sidelines and does a little tiptoe move and blows past the defenders. The acceleration on that play was uh, unbelievably impressive. By the way, I, I skipped that Pat Mahomes ran in a touchdown. I think people yeah. have this assumption that he because he's so athletic that he's a runner. He's a really a pure thrower, but you know he's got that elusiveness that can allow him I I think what's interesting is he ran a little bit in college but I I think it's very obvious now having been under Andy Reid's tutelage for a year and a half almost now that Mm -hmm. he knows what his role is stay in the pocket scramble a little bit make plays doesn't mean scramble and take off but last night when the play was shut down in the red zone he took off you even see him glance behind his left shoulder to see if the defender was coming to secure the ball 
and he runs in for the touchdown. So uh, he's wise beyond his years, it seems, through these first four games. But uh, back to the Kareem Hunt thing, a huge sigh of relief for those owners. Uh, he gets the touchdown, and he got a red zone carry, which was the one thing that we've been concerned about for the first month of the season. Yeah, 19 for 121 and a touchdown. I also like the fact that he's involved in the passing game as well. Listen, um, every game is not going to be Patty Mahomes for six touchdowns, okay? They are going to need their run game, and I think the balance is there. Kareem Hunt also, you talked about his athleticism, his moves down the sideline. There are a number of times where he just put his head down and bowled people over as well, and that's part of what they need in this offense, being able to show that they could do all the gadgets stuff they could run to rekill you know for 50 yards in motion before a, ga- a play even starts they have Kelsey over the middle this is even without another one of their burners on the outside Sammy Watkins I think all things considered I think the Chiefs can take more from this road division win than one of their early blowouts earlier in the season I think I they really showed that they are here to stay and they could play a lot of different ways I'm going to be very interested to see what happens when they face the Jacksonville Jaguars in a couple weeks at 23 to 13, they were down in the fourth quarter, and they come all the way back with a, a last-second drive. The Broncos actually yeah. did a nice job of coming back and uh, really just kind of fudged Almost, the yeah. ladder play um, to end the game. But uh, let's continue with the Chiefs before we flip over. Uh, Kelsey, I think look, you don't really need to say much. I, I think that it's it's really apparent. Gronk is obviously struggling right now with injuries, and he's had a couple of bad, you know, un-Gronk-like games. Let's say that. All right. But I, I've said for to people that were worried about Kelsey after week one, I actually think he's going to see by far, now it'll be by far, the only guy that's going to be in his wheelhouse is Ertz as far as the targets are concerned by the end of the year. I think the, the Patriots might now have to start to manage Gronk if he's going through some mm-hmm. injuries now. They might have to look towards Edelman. Right, they want him Mich- December and January. Michelle. Exactly. They, they are going to need Gronk later. It was the one concern I had about Gronk is – do they manage him? I just yeah. thought that while Edelman was out, he was going to be so huge that you could live with it. It hasn't been the case so far. But Kelsey, 12 more targets, 7 for 78 and a touchdown. He got crushed on a near second touchdown. Yeah, and almost broke his ribs. Out when like. they scored. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was. I understood why he was hurting. He got nailed and fell pretty hard on his back. As far as other guys there, the only one that saw targets was Tariq Hill. 9 for 54, so not his explosive type of game, but that's actually encouraging to me to some extent that he can go 9 for 54, be valuable, and it didn't include an 80-yard touchdown play. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's right. You know, so you see, because people, to be honest, I owned Terry Kill last year, and I was worried that he was such kind of boomer bust play. Like if he didn't get the fifty three yard touchdown, you were kind of in trouble. But this is the kind of game, and you see them looking for him on straight up, just like quick outs in the flat stuff like that. So I, I like that. One thing that I thought was hysterical going back to Kelsey is you know there was a throw where. Uh, Kelsey had to go up for it in the end zone, and he got drilled out of bounds. I thought it was funny. is like, you know, you got Jason Witten on the call, right? Like kind of the Iron Man at tight end for the last couple of decades. And Booker McFarlane, you know, Witten being like, oh, I know that play. That really hurts. That's tough. <laughs> and then you got Booker McFarlane being like, that's okay, Witt. That's when you just got to get tough. Tough it out. And, you know, and Witten yeah. kind of laughed at it. I thought that was hysterical. But, uh, yeah, yeah Kelsey, Kelsey there getting extended 
um, and really serving a role for this team. On that touchdown pass to Kelsey, though, uh, blew it. Mahomes didn't even have time to grab the laces on it, you know? He's not even grabbing the laces. He's throwing lefty hook shots. Uh, this offense will do whatever it takes. Yeah, he threw a lefty pass last night. I was like, all right, this is just video game stuff right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, it was a really cool play. But So, let me, so Watkins uh, puts up a bagel last night. Uh, right. He does what Sammy Watkins does, unfortunately. He's out with a hamstring. Let's just say this is long-term. Would you consider picking up one of these other options in Chris Conley or Demetrius Harris, who he's looked at no. uh, in a couple of instances, Demarcus Robinson? No, I wouldn't do that. I understand that you want to get as many shares of the Kansas City offense as possible, but they would still be Hill. They would still be Hunt. They would still be Kelsey. You know, I mean, Watkins is kind of the fourth option anyway already, so I don't know that you want that fill-in option. Um, so, no, I, w- I would look elsewhere personally, Blue. The only thing I'll say, though, is that it is not as concentrated in offense as you see in L.A., for example, where yeah. it is Gurley and the three wideouts, and that's it. Uh, here, he does spread it around a little bit more. And I guess, look, last night you see 21 touches for Hunt, 12 targets for Kelsey, and 13 uh, for Tariq Hill. But I just wonder if there's somebody else that can step up there. If you if you made me guess, I would say it's Demarcus Robinson. Uh, but I remember I drafted Chris Conley in a really deep league. It's just, you know, there's nothing there. He saw the most targets out of everybody else, six targets, but only four catches for 13 yards. So here's the thing also, you know, if, if you're long-term is one thing, but let's say there's also a universe where he misses like one game, right? And yeah, here's yeah. the thing. Do you really want someone where that one game is the Jacksonville Jaguars? No, of course not. Of course not. So, so, you know, a lot of things would have to be in place for you to actually need a guy like Harris or Robinson or Conley. Yeah, so, yeah, looking at those games this week, to your point, they are, they are hosting the Jaguars this week. Right. You That's got, not the plug-and-play uh, that I would look to find, you know, against you Jacksonville. Got, you, got, you got Colts, Patriots in just over 48 hours. Uh, yep. Some other high, highlight games, which we'll talk about throughout the week. But some other Vikings mm-hmm. go to Philly. Uh, the Rams go on the road to Seattle. Uh, you have Washington and New Orleans on Monday night. That's kind of an interesting one to me. Uh, that Battle of Texas, Cowboys at Texans, uh, and then Falcons at Steelers, uh, two teams that <clears throat> with high expectations – that are struggling uh, this season. That's 1 o'clock in Pittsburgh on Sunday. So uh, some pretty interesting games. Let's flip it over to the Broncos. Uh, and the Broncos, uh, Case Keenum, I thought, played well last night. 21 of 33 for 245. He doesn't throw any touchdowns uh, pick. I mean, that's a Case Keenum-like game. Wasn't bad. Uh, but, you know, they don't get it done on that final drive. They, they ran a hook and ladder play there. Right. And... <sighs> Some people are criticizing because they had the first down on the catch. Should he have just? Yeah, but you can't taken, expect Cortland should... Sutton in the middle. No, Cortland Sutton has to run the play that was called. That's, you know, yeah, but instead of all of a sudden like realizing this and being like, "Oh, I could get down no. and we could spike it," I don't think that's the that. play. the The play is called. Your job is to catch the ball and lateral it to Manny Sanders right away. But if it's, and to be quite honest. Cute? Is it too uh, maybe can so? They okay, run the play? so the play call, the play call is what you maybe can have issue with. Yes. But I'm not saying that like Cortland Sutton should have known in the moment and pulled an audible. And here's the honest part about it: like he got hit as he was trying to do the pitch. You saw if you see the replay, Devontae Booker is there, like sealing off the sideline. If they complete that lateral. Manny Sanders is gone, okay? And here's the thing. If you, let's rewind it a little bit. You got, what is it, you know, 12 seconds left. You're on the 27-yard line, whatever it is. I mean, 
I, 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 don't, I don't take that big of an issue with the call. Your percentages of scoring at this point in time are got to be something like 25% anyway. And they went, you know, with a little bit of a surprise. I'm okay yeah. with it. It's just the defender was there and knocked Cortland Sutton. I thought it was okay. It's a play that had about a, you know, a 10% chance of working anyway. And it didn't hit that 10%. That's all yeah. it is to me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if they ran a regular play, they right. had to hustle up to the line, spike it with a second left and, and then, then still complete whatever it was from the 15 right. yard line that's right so um low percentage either way so i again i'm with you i don't really have a huge problem with the play call i just think it's a lot of people are talking about it so i think it's worth bringing up i was uh, excited though because blew it i was on the under for that game and if denver gets into the end yeah. zone then i lost my under bet so i was yeah. i was okay that that what uh, did you have that at got, 54 uh, I saw it originally at 56, and then I saw it go down to 54 and a half. So my official play was under 54 and a half that I gave out. So 50 still works. Got it. So uh, on the running back side, Philip Lindsay back in the positive column. He touches the ball 14 times for 79 yards. He gets a rushing touchdown. Royce Freeman early in the game <clears throat> ran the ball 8 for 67 and a touchdown. He did not catch any passes, but uh, positive gains there for both running backs. Pretty amazing. I would not have expected that they could carry two running backs positively, but they're doing so right now. Offensive line playing pretty well. Plus, you know, you're also going up against the Chiefs defense, which is one of the worst in the league. I think that's why you can continue to ride your Chiefs stacks for seasonal and for DFS, they just can't really stop anybody. And you might be impressed by the 23-point total on the road, but Denver isn't an explosive offense, uh, and they're still working through issues with a new quarterback trying to move the ball down the field consistently. But uh, I think you can see the Chiefs are the type of team that's going to give up a lot of points and have to battle their way back into it like they did last night or play from in front. Yeah, I think that's the way it's going to be. And, 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 and to be quite honest, I've been telling people uh, yesterday, Blue, when you weren't here, I was telling people, listen, I want to start everybody against the Chiefs, okay, for a number of reasons. One, they could be in catch-up mode, you know, but the other thing, it's here, even a guy like Royce Freeman, because the strategy, look at what the Detroit Lions and Matt Patricia did against the New England Patriots. The strategy is to try to keep that offense off the field, and Royce Freeman is the back to do it. And then the flip side of this is you get pulled into a shootout against the Chiefs, and then you're like Big Ben having to put the ball up 60 times. Right. I actually believe that Lindsey and Freeman against the Chiefs is one thing, but I like them as a prototypical kind of timeshare moving forward, okay? Royce Freeman on the Denver, you know, kind of uh, their their uh, oh their go to thing like the stretch play, the one cut and go. Royce Freeman looks like he's a back that can do that well. He had patience all the way to the sideline once on that play, and then Lindsey as the kind of scat back with quick feet and in the PPR. I think this is. Um, I think this is similar, not really to Lewis and, and Henry, but this is similar to where I think both running backs could have some flex value moving forward, and it's going to be a game flow kind of thing. But I, Royce Freeman impressed me and is back on my radar. After seeing both of these backs in action, I think both of them are quality backs and should be owned. Yeah, what's interesting about last night, so you look down through the wide receivers here, Jeff Wehrman, 4 for 57, Cortland Sutton, 3 for 51, Manny Sanders, 5 for 45, Demarius Thomas, 4 for 24, and by the way, they missed a touchdown pass to Demarius Oh Thomas. boy, did they, on the down the right sideline at the end. I mean, it was a good play call, they had it, I mean, that was the play that would have won yep. the game. Would have Remember, won I had the under, so my, I had a lump in my throat when I saw that, when I saw that ball and him wide open down the left the sideline, yeah. 
So no real productive games out of the pass catchers last night. Your Horman point is is a good one, but uh, Manny Sanders chips in with an 18 yard rush, which mm-hmm. helps you yardage wise. But again, not, not a huge game for him. But I think what you have to keep in mind because you're looking down this list, nobody had double digit targets on the Broncos. Is this a fantasy herd scenario that you talk about all the time? <laughs> what is the problem here? It was it was unusual in this regard. The Chiefs ran 54 plays. The Broncos ran 52. Those are those are fairly low totals. Low totals, Especially yeah. for the type of team that the Chiefs can be uh, or the type of team that is playing against the Chiefs. Uh, you would expect them to want to have a high play total to keep Mahomes off the field. Now, he can do damage in a variety of different ways. But fairly low pl- play totals on the night. So I'm not going to freak out that Sanders only, only quote, had seven targets or Thomas only had seven targets. I just think that, you know, they weren't as good offensively last night as they can be in other games. I, I don't know why the case was. Yeah. But they just missed, they missed a bunch of third downs. Like I said, we, he missed a touchdown pass there at the end. I mean, if, if he hits that touchdown pass, everybody's stats look great. David Demarius Thomas is five for 50 right. in a score, and Keenum has another touchdown and another 30 yards. And by the way, if you hit that pass – they go over. Uh, there was a key, there was a Keenum prop, which I think was like two fifty six on the yard. Oh, really? So, yeah, it was close. Like if he hits that pass to touch to Thomas, it goes over. But uh, or if they call that instead of an incomplete pass, if they call that a catch and a fumble on the hook and ladder, he might go over. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, they called it ultimately yes. an incomplete pass. The one thing yeah. I'll say about this, and I know we got to go to break real quick, Blewett. The one thing I'll say about this, if I'm looking at Denver. I keep my eyes on Cortland Sutton. I think you're right that the plays, the, the total amount of plays run is something that will be more usually, so then more potential opportunity. And I don't think you have anything to worry about if you're Manny Sanders' owner, okay? I think Manny Sanders is going to get you double digits like he did last night. If you're Demarius Thomas, though, and you watch that game, to me it's clear that they're scheming more for Cortland Sutton. They're taking the shot to Cortland Sutton. They're having Cortland Sutton be the off guy when there's a bunch formation on the other side. I think they are starting to look for Cortland Sutton a little bit more than DT, and that's something I would keep my eye on. Remember, they drafted Cortland Sutton to be the heir apparent to DT. I was encouraged after watching them that uh, the ascension of Cortland Sutton could be here. Yeah, so Chiefs are 4-0, running away with the division early. We'll come back with Fantasy Sports today after this, talking about the Le'Veon Bell situation in Pittsburgh, coming back during the bye week in Week 7. We'll be right back. DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. We are back, Blewett. Okay, all right. So here FST we go. FST in the building. Let's do it. And your boy okay. Le'Veon Bell has yeah. uh, made some news. It's kind of like almost they realize that James Conner can't really hack it anymore after that great week one. And now everybody's back together like, oh, if the Steelers want to win the division, maybe we do need Le'Veon. Yeah, uh, so 
The Le'Veon Bell thing, he does announce he's coming back for week seven, obviously dressing as a Steelers fan because I actually don't know what's going to happen specifically. He's going to report during the week seven bye. He says he wants to play. Uh, and he's just going well, to go nice. back to business. He's going to go back to business as usual. I don't really know what any of that means for the team. Uh, I, I know that two days ago they were actively shopping him. Does that still continue to happen? Because obviously, in order to come back, he's going to sign that tender and then report. But do the Steelers look to shop him still, Dane? With or do they realize that James Conner, as good as he is, doesn't provide the same type of explosiveness that Le'Veon Bell does? I think it particularly where we're seeing him missed is in the passing game. But yep. Uh, the, look, Here's the, the thing, core, of the, Steel- the, core okay, of the Steelers' problem right now is that they can't defend the pass at all. But for the last two weeks, they got shut out in the second half offensively. So uh, there are offensive issues to go along with it. Yeah, I think that is the case. And here's the thing. For me, it was kind of like, I think everyone is calling everyone's bluff here. I think everyone was in a game of chicken. The Steelers were, the Lev Bell was, and now, you know, as the trading deadline starts to approach, I think, you know, it's kind of the rubber hitting the road, right? So the Steelers are calling Le'Veon Bell's bluff by starting to be like, nah, we could have James Conner run. We're fine. And they're realizing that maybe they're not as fine as they thought after his breakout week one. They're also trying to call Lev Bell's bluff, being like, you know what? We're okay. We'll, we'll entertain ideas of trading you. No problem. We'll start actively shopping you and get those reports out, right? So now Lev Bell is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. I don't want to necessarily get traded either. I don't want to necessarily be behind what is not the best offensive line in the NFL and be exposed as maybe not a generational back. I don't want to be with a team that is not a perennial playoff contender. Whoa, let me put out there that I'll be back before the trading deadline so that, you know, the Steelers don't actually go ahead and pull the trigger. And here's the thing. I think this is honestly, it's a good case scenario for the Steelers. It is the worst case scenario for fantasy owners. What you wanted is either James Conner having this job, right? You wanted Lev Bell to maybe get traded so both of them had a job. Or, you know, but now what I fear is you get week eight, week nine, going into your fantasy playoff run, and both Lev Bell and James Conner are Steelers running backs. And people would say, that's not that big of a deal. Here's the issue with that. Part of the reason, the reason Le'Veon Bell was a top three pick in fantasy drafts is because he was one of the very few workhorses in the NFL, right? Uh, Along with, say, Zeke Elliott and what we thought David Johnson was going to be and some others. Now, that is not going to be the case, in my opinion, Blue, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Even when, even when he does come back, there will be a roll or a drive or every third drive where James Conner is on the field, making it making Le'Veon Bell not the true workhorse, making him still a great player, but not a timeshare, but just not on a full workhorse, further diminishing what we thought Lev Bell was, even when he's in there. That's my concern, that it becomes more of a timeshare, well, making they've both never of shown those that. backs. They've never shown that in the last several years. When there's one, they go with one player and really one player only, whether it's James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, or D'Angelo Williams. Now, this is particularly unique because he's coming in without a training camp, without the first seven weeks of football, and you'd have to question what kind of football shape he is in. Uh, I think it makes Conner rosterable but not playable. 
Right. And it it puts it could put a cap on Le'Veon Bell in weeks eight, yep. nine, and ten. I think you have that point. But I think by weeks 11, 12, 13, 14, as you get into your fantasy playoffs, I think it's going to be a one-back one scenario all over again. I, I think that's always been the case with them, uh, and it will continue to be the case. So uh, on the Steelers in general, the one thing I'll say is this is why I'm holding out hope, is that a couple of years ago – the Steelers were, I don't think people remember it this way, but the Steelers were reeling a little bit mid-season in 2016. They had gone 4-1 out of the gate and went on a four-game losing streak. And they weren't 4-5. and five. People might remember the game where the Steelers had taken a league lead late and Zeke Elliott broke over. Oh, the Cowboy game, yeah. yard touchdown run. That put the Steelers at 4-5. and five. They proceeded to win yeah. their last seven regular season games and the next two playoff games, so nine games overall, before getting dumped out of the AFC Championship game by the Pats. So I have some hope that they can – you know, circle the wagons here a little bit. I know it's a Bills term, but I have some hope that they can do that. But it won't go anywhere if they can't defend the pass. The defense has been brutal. The linebackers haven't taken over in the manner that they normally do. T.J. Watt, we saw Bud Dupree flashing a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but uh, I think it's problematic defensively. And, you know, maybe the switch of around of all these coordinators uh, on offense is creating some problems, too. You know, Antonio Brown's just not getting the ball as much as he normally does either. The targets I'm not concerned about, but, you know, you haven't had your signature Antonio Brown's, Brown games yet. You know, I, I told you I have one team, Dane, that's in it's in trouble right now. I'm one in three. It's, a, it's the only right. kind of bad team I have. I, I somehow ended up with Jordan Howard and Derrick Henry on the same team, but the somehow is because I went like a modified zero RB in that league, drafting Antonio Brown and Keenan Allen with our first two picks. Uh, it was I was feeling good. I mean, I've 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 got James Conner and Mark Ingram, but the, my point in saying all this is that Antonio Brown hasn't been Antonio Brown in fantasy yet. I you have to have faith that it it will happen at some point, but that is I think hurting some teams that drafted Antonio Brown in the first round. Yeah, and then here's the other thing, you know, what has been the narrative around the Steelers for the first month of the season that there's, you know, unrest in the locker room, right? Because of this Lev Bell situation, Antonio Brown deciding to skip practice, you know, having to have a long man-to-man with Mike Tomlin. What happened? We talked, we saw week one how the offensive line was so excited to block for James Conner, that sort of thing. Not only in the pure X's and O's, not only in the fantasy kind of workload of it between Conner and Bell. But, Blewett, you're plugged into this team. What does this do in the locker room when Lev Bell comes back? You know, you you have offensive linemen who are on the record with not the best things to say about Lev Bell. What does this team do when, you know, coming after their Week 7 bye, right, let's say they are... I'll be I'll be positive. Let's say they're two, three, and one. Blew it, you know. After their first six games, right? They split yeah. their next two. Let's say they are one, two, three, and one going into week eight. What is what is the chemistry like? What is this team like when we all know Lev Bell is going to be there, not necessarily for the Steelers, but just to pad his own stats and keep himself healthy? You know, almost metaphorically flipping the bird like Earl Thomas did. What does that do inside the locker room? I think you're going to have to have a come to Jesus meeting between Le'Veon Team Bell meeting. and the offense. It's going to have to be. It's going to have to start 
with guys that he probably thought were friends of his hammering him in the media. You got Ramon Pouncey. Foster and Mike yeah. P- and Marquise Pouncey that were critical of him. And I think there's going to have to be somebody that mends those fences. Maybe those guys can do it on their own. Uh, I understand, frankly, why he's holding out. And I completely understand the stance, but I also understand why those guys are upset. I think it's really obvious. If you're just, you're obviously having to read the tea leaves, and the players mm-hmm. can tell you, oh, you don't know what really happened. I don't know what really happened, but I'm an adult, and I'm trying to read what happened. Their feelings are obviously hurt that they had probably been told something, and then he didn't yeah. show up. As they were under made, the impression that he was going to show up week one. If Le'Veon yeah. Bell told his boys, like, listen, I'm holding out. I'm taking this the route. That would be one thing. But, you know, when Pouncey comes out on, like, Monday of, or on Labor Day or whatever it was, right, and was like, mark my words, he'll come through that door on Wednesday of week one. That was what did. they honestly thought, right? Yeah. And, you know, probably because Lev Bell texted them as such, right? But if Lev Bell instead of told Marquise Pouncey, listen, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm playing hardball with this organization as long as it takes, you know, then that would have been one expectation and they could have planned one way. I think you're absolutely right, right, Blewett. Players usually don't, you know, uh, get involved with other players' contracts and money and that sort of thing. Money I think numbers thing are here, thrown around. It's really rare mm-hmm. that that happens. Ramon yep, Foster said I think the he thing here seven times what I make and – right. And, all that kind of stuff. So the feelings, uh, I think, come because they were they were really expecting something different, teammate to teammate, and I think that's where what, if anything, has to be smoothed over come week seven or eight. Yeah, and I don't know that this offense can get back to where it was a year or even two years ago when he comes back. You're just going to have to wait and see. I don't think they're this bad. I think they have to fix that pass defense somehow, but you know it would help that keeping the other team off the field. And Le'Veon Bell That's was true. an expert at being able to do that. So, uh, so there you go with with the Le'Veon Bell stuff. Uh, as far as other things to take a look at, I mean, we we were talking waiver wires in the previous hour on Roto yeah. Experts in the morning, and we'll continue to take a look at those now. So. We talked at length, Dane, and we'll, we will sort of recap it here uh, about the tight end position and how banged up it is. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a mess right now because you have at least a half a dozen guys that were expected to be tight end ones that are now on the shelf for either a long period of time or for the rest of the year. I mentioned Tyler Eifert. We lost Hunter Henry back in July. There was expectations that he would be um, – he would be the guy that would be a possibility mm-hmm. there. Let me see. I'm doing. I want to go to the, my numbers here in our Carton and Friends League. So you got uh, you got Gronk. You have uh, who's banged up right now. May not play. Delaney first. Walker, O.J. So, Howard, Evan that. Ingram, Hunter Henry. Uh, lost, like I said, Hunter yeah, Henry got lost. You know, Greg Olson. You've already lost this year. Um, there are a ton. There are a ton that we've, we could reel off. Even the Will Disleys, the O.J. Will Howards Disley's of hurt. the world. You know, so, I mean, if you go all the way back to the season, I think we counted 11 Blewett that are already some level banged up. I mean, we are talking about a third of the tight ends in the league. I mean, and here, could, here's I'll ahead. run down the tight ends right now of, uh, in, just in our one league. But here's how they rank on the season. It's kind of amazing to see that Jared Cook is the top tight end in fantasy football through week four. Travis Kelsey is second. Zach Ertz is third. So those are very high draft picks. George Kittle, fourth. Eric Ebron is the fifth tight end right now. Kyle Rudolph, that's why you pick Kyle Rudolph, right? I didn't promise you he was going to be top three. 
But I told we told you he was going to be top eight, and here he is. He comes in at number six a month uh, into the season. Gronkowski's right behind him. Then you got Trey Burton. Uh, by the way, Gronk banged up. Then you got O.J. Howard. He's out for a month. Jimmy Graham, Tyler Eifert, out for the year. Then you got Jesse James and Vance McDonald. Vance McDonald has been a popular ad. If he's still out there in any of your leagues, I think now's the time to add him because you might have been an Eifert or an O.J. Howard guy. Uh, then you got Jordan Reed. Will Disley now is out. Austin Hooper is another guy that could be available in some leagues. Dane, he doesn't get heavily targeted, but they do look for him in the red zone a little bit. They do, but I I wonder. I mean, they look for him in the red zone a little bit. He has one touchdown on the year. He had two targets, you know, in a game in a game, Mike, where the the Atlanta Falcons scored thirty six points. He yeah. had two targets. Where there's yeah. an emergence of Calvin Ridley happening, you know, I and these running backs are also out of the backfield. I think you can do. I think you can do better than Austin. Fifteen Hooper targets still. on the year for Austin Hooper. Uh, ben Watson. I think many people have scooped him up already. He hasn't been great, but he's got thir- nearly 30 fantasy points on the season. The other day, he only had one catch for 23 yards against the Giants on three targets. He's got nine and nine, 18 targets on the season. Uh, you know, that, that's, that was a weird game. It was all Kamara the other day. Yeah, it certainly was. Good thing I had him in some rosters. That was all Kamara. I had Kamara and uh, Saquon as my running backs in DFS as well. I wonder, though, what Kamara does uh, now that, you know, did you see that uh, Mark Ingram met them at the airport? You know, he's ready to go right after their week four. His suspension is there. They got the big week this week, Monday Night Football. Then there's a bye. Then I mentioned to you their schedule stacks up. They got some big-time run defenses to go against Blewett in weeks. uh, If you bring up the Saints' schedule, they – their run defenses that they face right after the bye. So if you were an Ingram owner, you're like, oh, he's going to miss the first four games. Remember, it was really he's missing five of the first six, right? But then check this out. Weeks 7 through 11 for the Saints blew it in terms of the run defenses that Mark Ingram will return to. At Baltimore, at Minnesota, home for the Rams, then at Cincinnati, then the Eagles. Those five are some five pretty good run defenses, blew it. Yeah, thankfully they have a change of pace there with Kamara, so it keeps those teams on their toes. Uh, But I'm with you. You know, I don't know that it's going to be an explosive return for Mark Ingram, but it might be better than some of the stuff that you've been rolling out there with your Peyton Barbers and and other options. What about RSJ at tight end? Uh, I was actually going to go a different way, but Ricky Seals-Jones is interesting. Let me see his numbers. With Rosen. Uh, You mentioned he had 15 targets. I mean, that Hooper had 15 targets, so I looked at RSJ. He has 19 targets, and I'm just wondering with the change to Josh Rosen, you know how the young quarterback loves the security blanket at the tight end. Fitzgerald banged up. I'm wondering if there could be some opportunity for RSJ in the short term. I think it's a possibility. I think he's a guy that you have to take a look at considering all the guys we have out. Here's one last one. How about Jeff Swaim? Last two yeah. games in Dallas, 12 targets, eight catches. He's got 40, 50, about 87 yards or so. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something, 86 yards it looks like with a touchdown. Yep. I think Jeff Swaim is somebody that, who may have a little bit of value as we uh, move ahead with the Dallas Cowboys. So I know we're throwing out some crazy names, but the tight end position has become a disaster. It's why I typically – don't spend up because a lot of these guys get hurt. Now, you're going to reap the benefits for Kelsey and Ertz for as long as you can. But, Dane, you and I drafted Gronk, and it's been a not an outright bust, but it's been a dud so far. 
I'm okay with this, though. I mean, I'm comfortable with what we have at Gronk. I still, going into every week, think we have a week-to-week advantage. We have a decision because of Thursday night football early. You know, I think our other tight end is like ASJ, potentially. But I haven't even really looked at it because I know we start Gronk every week except this bye week. And that's the thing. I hear you, but I think the touchdowns will come. I am, I am kind of still feeling okay. The Jaguars decided to make it a point to bracket him and double him. We know what the Lions did in terms of, uh, you know, keeping the, the Patriots off the field. And he, and he, and he, and he left last week's game early with the injury. I mean, if any team has Gronk as their issue, they have uh, probably bigger fish to fry. I'm okay with Gronk. Yeah, as far as QBs are concerned, I think Jameis Winston is somebody you're going to look at now since he's been installed as the starter, uh, but they have a bye week this week. The teams on bye this week are the Bears and the Bucks. Is that right? I believe so, yes. I know those two teams are, unless there's any others as no, that's well. It. But, yeah, just Chicago and Tampa. Bears, Chicago Bears and, and Tampa. Bucks. Yep. So they just played, and now they're uh, on a bye. So I think you can look at Jameis Winston as an ad. Um, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the, the pickups at QB and running back and wide receiver. As far as other QBs are concerned, if you have, you know, if you have a Bucks, you're, you're losing fits. You're installing Jameis, but you can't play him for another week. If you had Dalton Fisky, Flacco, yeah, Dalton and Flacco. I think the same guys we talked about. People are going to be dumping Ryan Tannehill now too. So we'll come back. Talk more about this next on FST. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back on FST, I'd want you to head on over to DailyRoto.com. It's the industry-leading daily fantasy site that has produced seven separate FanDuel and DraftKings million-dollar tournament winners and millions more in smaller prizes for countless subscribers. So once you're there, click on Go Premium, and you can use the same daily fantasy line optimizer that has helped Daily Roto customers achieve such remarkable success. And if it's sports wagering you're into, click on the new Sports Betting tab, where you'll be able to use the same tools that have produced all those daily fantasy winnings for money line picks, picks against the spread, game totals, and player props. So go to DailyRoto.com and enter FNTSY for a special discount. DailyRoto.com, the industry website where millionaires are made, literally. You know, speaking of, let's talk about DFS for a sec before we get to the waiver wires. So much scoring, but more importantly, so much chalk hit that I was barely cashing with lineups that are near 180 the other day. Yep. I mean, I, I min-cashed I, at like 174 insane. on FanDuel. I put up yeah, 174 I, on FanDuel. I min-cashed. I had the Dalton Eifert stack, so I got touchdowns out of them. I had Kamara and Saquon as my running backs. Um, wide Breeze receivers was worked killer. for me as well. Breeze was a killer yeah. for me, but luckily I was able to make it up uh, with, uh, like you said, the Kamara calls. Like, you know, listen, if you're li- if you're paying attention to daily roto and especially listen to that podcast because they they do their rundown their weekly rundown but if you listen to the podcast in addition to that 
you really get a sense of how they really feel about it. Like, they, they write it up, right. but they can tell you. They said on the podcast, I'm starting all my lineups with Kamara, Geo, and Sterling Shepard. So I made sure that those guys were in all my lineups. Kamara, 30, this is FanDuel, Kamara, 38.6 points. Geo, 23.6 points. Sterling Shepard, 20.7 points. Now, I went with Breeze. They were on Gabriel as well, right? Uh, they were. Uh, they were also on Corey Davis, and I, I they uh, look they they looked at a few games, the Bears in particular, where they liked Gabriel and Robinson. They uh, on the Titans they talked about Taewon Taylor and Corey Davis, um, and then there's a few other options out there at tight end. I spent up, so I went with Ertz, but I hit on Corey Davis. Jarvis Landry didn't hit. So I missed on Drew Brees and Jarvis Landry, but I had so much capital from Kamara, Geo, Sterling Shepard. Ertz had a pretty good game, and another clutch guy was Sony Michelle. Plus the Bears' mm-hmm. defense threw up a 14. Uh, you, you'll never cease to be amazed how much defenses come into play in DFS. You get yeah. the right one, you're going to cash almost every time. So, uh, But it was crazy. That, that lineup garnered a 176.88. And it was a 50-50, and I came in 37th place with a 177. Wow, yeah, I had similar things. I was even lower. I was at like 168, and I just min-cashed barely by the skin of my teeth. It was crazy. A lot of offense. Even, you know, I'm watching Red Zone, and our boy Scott Hansen is impressed with the touchdowns in the 70s. He usually recaps, like, how many touchdowns are scored in a day. And when it's in the 70s, that's a lot. And that's just the Sunday slate. And then, obviously, you got to remember Thursday night football went off as well. Yeah, that's before um, the Sunday-Monday night games. That's right. right. Exactly. He saw 71 touchdowns. uh, Just on Sunday. Just yeah, on and Sunday. Only one was defensive. Yeah, that's right. Right. Just on um, Sunday. And obviously, Thursday night was a lot of scoring. We had some points last night game, you know, total with a 50. So a lot of people, a lot of people had good production. Also, if you look in your season longs, you know, depending on your website, you'll see like the updated projections. And sometimes it's in red or green. Like my entire league was in green from their original projections this week, an indication that a lot of points were scored around the NFL. Yeah, so just to recap that, the, the reason that you see point totals that high is obviously because there's a lot of scoring. But when I say that I put up a big number and I barely cashed, it's because a lot of chalk hits. When a lot of chalk mm. hits, and chalk is, is the guys that are expected, all expected to do well, the chalk is the right. favorites, so to speak, in, in gambling parlance. But um, that's why that happens, because everybody plays Kamara, so you have and no And Zeke Elliott, advantage. too. Yes, Zeke Elliott sure. in a matchup that you were expecting right. against the Detroit Lions run defense had 240 scrimmage yards, and a lot of people paid up for Kamara and Zeke. That's absolutely true. Um, so I just wanted to give people a sense of exactly what And like eight quarterbacks went over 300 yards, you know, so yeah. uh, your variance there in the crazy. quarterbacks. Yeah. It's true. So, this, is the way, this is the way the NFL wants it. Chicks dig the right. long ball. Yeah, Trubisky throwing for six touchdowns. So real quick on the waiver wire, Trubisky, Flacco, I'm looking at our league that we're in, FST, and it's a relatively deep league, so there's a lot of QBs owned. Uh, But Mitch Trubisky, Joe Flacco, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Casey Keenum, all available. Which one do you like for the rest of the way? Flacco's the one in the lead for me. Yeah. 
For me, it's Flacco. Uh, and here's why. Here's the other thing that we're seeing, okay? First of all, these pass catchers are a legitimate set of wide receivers in the NFL. That's one thing, right? You have the inspired Joe Flacco and all that good stuff. But the new piece of information, the new data point for me, is that the Ravens and John Harbaugh have lost faith in Alex Collins. And I think that's the other piece of information you need to know. Because Collins continues to fumble the ball. To me, I think that means that the Ravens are going to put this on the right arm of Joe Flacco a little bit more. I think Buck Allen is going to be on the field a little bit more. That all trends towards the passing game. So for me, Flacco is, um, you know, um, better than we thought he was, to borrow the phrase from Denny Green going into this season. I think Flacco is a legitimate, you know, QB 15 in the mid-teens, uh, mid yeah. and you could do worse than that. So here's Trubisky's next five at Miami, hosting New England, hosting the Jets, at Buffalo. It's weird. He's got three in a row against the AFC East. So and then and three road Detroit, games in a row, and then hosting Detroit. Yeah, those are all uh, secondaries that I feel comfortable throwing against. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, uh, that. That was Trubisky. I just want to be clear. That oh, was that Trubisky. was Trubisky. Sorry, yes. I thought it was Flacco. Um, oh. Flacco. The Flacco's next couple at of weeks. Cleveland, at Tennessee, New Orleans, at Carolina, Pittsburgh. That's his next. That's five. a bit harder. That's a bit harder. These Tennessee Titans on, on the low are, have a decent secondary. You know, uh, Carolina's tough on the road, but they do get Pittsburgh right before the bye. Um, Cleveland on the road. They're in the middle of a three-game road trip Carolina at Pittsburgh, really at Cleveland, at either. Tennessee. I'm still okay with Flacco. I th I'm telling you, they are becoming more of a passing team. I like Flacco. And they're going right to get now. that rookie tight end back soon, too. First uh, might come the back year. this week. We said it was for the year. I thought Flacco was going to be good this year. I, I yep. think he. I think it energized him a little bit. I don't think yep. Lamar's even close to challenging him. I didn't think that before the season and throughout the preseason. I knew oh, I was right, and mm -hmm. I think Flacco. I have him as my QB two right in a league. In my big Flacco. home dynasty league, he's my QB two. And here's the other thing. I'm telling you, I think Alex Collins is in the doghouse with Harbaugh. Uh, I think you're right. I think it's. I mean. They don't want anything to do with that. Buck Allen is he already shown They changed the game flow. Listen, with that Alex Collins fumble, they could have been up 21-0 on Sunday oh, night. You saw it. That was absolutely. a huge swing. And he said yeah. it last uh, yesterday in his press outing, uh, Harbaugh. He said, like, can't have this. Um, yeah, it would have been 21-3. You know, it would have been 21-3. Instead, the game was tied at halftime. And then it was 14-14. That's a huge swing in a division matchup like that. They will not give Alex Collins the ball anymore. That's why you saw him bench for the rest of the first half. And Buck Allen is out there. Go get Buck Allen on your waiver wire if you can, Blewett. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. I'm going to go to it differently because our league is so deep. I want to take a look yeah. at it. I want to take a look at running backs uh, just so I can give people a little bit more of an accurate depiction of what's As happening. you're bringing so, that up, though, you see yeah, how FST, yeah. we now got a full game on the field, and we got about 100 points on the field. And I'm glad, though, that you know we have Connor, right? But the thing is, Ingram is going to start coming back right as Connor fades away into a backup role. So we got to love yeah. that. You knew from the beginning, you knew that the, the challenge for Mark Ingram is not just that he was going to miss the four games, but he's playing in one game. Before week seven, Before the bye, just yeah. one. And how much are they really going to use him this weekend when Kamara is on a roll and he hasn't had he he had a training camp obviously, but he which is different from Le'Veon Bell. Mark Ingram was in training camp; he just missed the last four weeks, so right. is he still in in football shape? Can you see Mark Ingram getting double digit touches this week? Do you think? 
I think it's possible. I think it depends on game flow, right? You know, this Washington, it depends on what the Washington team does as well. I mean, if we're sitting at, if we're staring at 27-10 in the third quarter, you know, then yeah, we're going to see a lot of Mark Ingram. If we're staring at 20-17, to then I think we keep on seeing Kamara out of the flat and that sort of stuff. But yes, I'm comfortable if you have no other options, you know, teams on bye, if you have Jordan Howard on a bye, I'm completely comfortable starting Mark Ingram against Washington on Monday Night Football at home. Um... This week. And the other thing, over just under, on our team. Over under okay. Mark Ingram touches 12 and a half. What are you taking this week? That's a good, not, that's a good number. That's a good number. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. I can see 10. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. You're, you're, you're an expert for a reason. Uh, I can see 10 carries, 10 carries, three catches. Uh, 10 carries, three catches. I like it. Yep. I think it's, it's right around there. I think that's what it's yep. going to look like. So let uh, you were going to say something else. Sorry. I was just going to say on our team, though, the other thing, and you know, we, I didn't get to talk to you on Monday. Can you give me a little love about me predicting the stereotype? Twenty-five catches, love uh, it. Uh, carries, love that guy. For the stereotype, and it looks honestly. Everywhere. So did, yeah, we played him in our league. I played him also uh, in, in my long-term dynasty league. DFS, and, I, leagues, and here's the thing: I, I was everybody. saying. When it comes to game flow, if you honestly believe the Patriots are done for, that's one thing. But more likely, they're going to be using this guy 20, 25 carries a game when they're parking the bus in the fourth quarter. Especially because Brady knows they can't just be in FU mode the whole time with their foot on the pedal. They're going to look more like a normal team moving forward, Blewett. And that means the stereotype as the early down back. Well, we said it exactly a week ago today. Yep. You had to be encouraged by what you saw. Right. Uh, last Sunday night against the Lions. Not but they just weren't on the field long enough. They weren't on the field long enough, and they he wasn't efficient. But when he's getting that number of touches, then it's on. It's on. And Jimmy White mm-hmm. was on, too. So both of them were obviously startable. If you used him DFS, you cashed in on both guys. So let's talk about the running back positions. Before I do that, Bet DSI is celebrating – 20 years as the industry's biggest and safest betting site. They have great customer service and fast, easy payment of winnings. You can play virtually every sport at BetDSI with hundreds of wagering options, including live in-game wagering on all major sporting events where you can make your play at any time during the game. BetDSI is now offering up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit if you use promo code FNTSY. That's BetDSI.com, promo code FNTSY. So head on over to BetDSI and start winning today. Uh, so running backs that are available. This is in one of my other leagues. It's not quite as deep. Naeem Hines, I think in mm-hmm. your PPR, half point and full point PPR leagues, Naeem Hines has proven to be a guy that you want to be in on. He only had yep. four carries for 10 yards, but that's not where his value lies. I think you're looking at a guy like Hines and saying, here we are, 11 targets last this week, five targets the week before. He had nine targets in week one, week two. He was basically absent, but I think that's where you want to be looking is uh, Naeem Hines is addable. Jalen Richard is still out there, but last week, I mean, one carry for minus two yards. Let me take a look at the targets that he had against the Browns the other day in a game in which he scored 45 points, so keep that in mind. Uh, Jalen Richard had five targets this week, seven in week three, 11 in week one. So I think you're seeing what Jalen Richard really is. I don't think he's going to be that big a part of the offense going forward. But as we hit five weeks and others, maybe he's a guy at the end of your bench. I just don't know who you're cutting for him, Dane. Yeah, and here's the other thing. 
How many times are the Raiders going to score 45 points this season? You know what I mean? Um, That kind of back and forth game I don't think is the normal game script. We've been talking about this Gruden offense as still being in, you know, the previous century. I don't know that I'm invested in many Raiders right now outside of beast mode. I'll take beast mode. And it looks like they're going to maybe feed Cooper and uh, Cook. But I I just – in these situations, I'm going to lean to a guy on a team that I have more faith in the overall offense on. That's kind of the tiebreaker for me. So I'm staying away. I'm staying away from guys on the Raiders. I'd rather grab a Nick Chubb in that same game. I'd rather check to see if TJ Yeldon is available, regardless of Fournette. I like your Naheem Hines call. I'm also intrigued by the return of Robert Turbin if they give him a chance because Jordan Wilkins clearly hasn't been able to do it. Uh, Aaron Jones is probably owned in a lot of leagues, mm, but I, think I like that somebody, one. I think worth a check for that sure. You could take a look at if he hasn't been scooped up in your leagues. He has 11 for 65 and a touchdown. He had six for 42 in week three in his first week back. But if he's going to start seeing double digit carries, I think obviously they're going to look at him towards the goal line. Um, and then Jamal Williams also had 11 carries for 27 yards. Look, I'm not invested in the Green Bay running game at all. But I think it's something that you can consider uh, as we move ahead. And depending on the depth of your leagues, I think it all depends on that. And I don't know, again, I don't know who you're cutting in some of these leagues. Wide receivers. Buck Allen, only 60% owned, by the way. Sorry, Buck Allen as the one guy I forgot to mention there. Um, But uh, look, in this league here, I'm looking at Geronimo Allison. He obviously left the game with a concussion. Uh, the right. other day, but Geronimo Allison was still at least, you know, even in a game where he had to leave, he was six catches for 80 yards. I think, yeah, you'll look, take that. Whenever Randall Cobb is out, and it Cobb makes is banged up, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. But I, I like Geronimo. There's always been in the Green Bay offense for as long as Aaron right. Rodgers has been there, three wide receivers that are valuable. Geronimo yes. Allison is that third wide receiver. Cobb and uh, Devontae Adams goes without saying. But it's Allison and Cobb are the other two. And it makes Alice, puts Allison into a number two role when Cobb is out. And the number two guy in the Packers offense was at one point Devontae Adams. And right. clearly there is a lot of value there for those guys. Listen, remember names like Abadaris and Junis? You know, everybody. Yeah, Jeff Janis. I mean, like, I think that's the better point, right? It's about the opportunity. We like the Green Bay Packers offense. There has been a long time that this has been able to sustain three wide receivers. Allison is that younger guy. I think he's 24, 25 years old. He's on the ascension. I've considered Allison in the same vein as, like, a Chris Godwin as the guy who's number three technically on the depth chart but is ascending and before long will be that number two guy. I, I, I compare him to Chris Godwin in Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm uh, openly stating that I think Taylor Gabriel is valuable. He's not going to have games like that. That's probably his best game of the year. But uh, Trubisky is looking for him in looking for him in every game. So I think that it is somebody that does have a lot of value moving forward. D.D. Westbrook, can I tell you, nine for one thirty in one game when who went down? Marquise Lee went down. I was really debating hard between. Uh, obviously, Keelan Cole became an immediate option, but who was the other guy going to be? Was it going to be Dante Moncrief or D.D. Westbrook? Turns out it was both of them this past week, but who right. would you rather have? Because these guys are out there. Would you rather have D.D. Westbrook, Dante Moncrief? 
Eh, I guess Moncrief, but I'm staying away from the Jacksonville offense. I'm instead going to see if Smoke Brown is available in a league. He's 70% owned. I believe in this Ravens and Joe Flacco. He has something with John Brown. I'd look there. I'm staying away from the Jaguars passing game in general. Willie Sneed had six for 56. He's been a regular target. Mm-hmm. Taewon Taylor uh, was seven for 77. I think he's a guy whose name nobody really knows. And I think Taewon Taylor is a valuable guy as this Titans offense starts to take off finally. Corey Davis, Deion Lewis, Taewon Taylor, those are the guys that you want. Derrick Henry's not really going to be a big part of it moving forward or not as big a part of it as we wanted him to be. So Dane and I will be back on Thursday, maybe back here tomorrow, depending on how Scotty's feeling. But uh, have a good day, everybody, and we'll talk to you again soon later in the week.